Hello and welcome back to the Outering Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. And as usual, every week it is Friday and I'm releasing a new podcast episode. In this week's uh, Tinnitus podcast episode, we have another specialist in Tinnitus heavyweight. Um, with us here uh, is today, uh, I'm joined by Hajir Aj from the UK, where he leads a tinnitus practice. And in today's episode, we talk a lot about using cognitive behavior therapy and um, uh, tools to overcome your tinnitus, to get further in your habituation journey. And um, Hajir is a fantastic guy, and he is so knowledgeable as he's been doing this for many, many decades. So tune in and be excited for a long podcast episode. Um, I want to share with you as usual, just because just before we get into the episode, because I want to help all of you guys out there as much as possible. Um, if you need further resources, if you want some of my free resources, then uh, click uh, the link in the description below. You can either uh, download and read my free guide to tinnitus or the 100 tinnitus hacks Um and very soon, I'll be sharing with you a preliminary seven-day tinnitus challenge, what you can do in seven days uh, starting today in order to get better with your tinnitus. So keep an eye out for uh, those links in the description to my podcast because there is a lot of content and fun stuff coming up that you can use for your tinnitus habituation journey absolutely for free. Um, another thing that I want to share with you because it was so positive, um, uh, I've got a lot of feedback from you guys and everyone was asking me, hey, how did uh, Tanika get, get this far? So if you haven't listened to it in the last episode, I was sharing at the start of the episode that um, a group uh, member Tanika in our uh, online tinnitus club community shared that she said that literally for large parts of the day, she doesn't even hear it anymore after having struggled for quite a while. And after incorporating all the courses and all the, all the uh, attending, all the weekly meetings and coaching sessions that we have, she's been getting to a completely different place now. And of course, that's at the heart of everything that I do. So I'm super, super, super excited to having been able to share what, what uh, Tanika shared with us. So if you haven't listened to that, go check in to the last episode from last week. Um, and I think it might be very, very beneficial to hear what Tanika has to share and what her story does. But without further ado, let's do the intro and then get right into the episode with Hajiraj from the UK. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Outering Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. This podcast is all about the tinnitus science and what you can do to live a better life despite the ringing. This episode is brought to you by MyTinnitus.club. MyTinnitus.club is your special online habituation community, a community of many, many people who together learn to live their absolute best lives by tinnitus. You learn science-based tools and tips and tricks and strategies on how to live tinnitus behind, uh, live your best life, really reclaim everything that's most important to you. And you do that in a community of amazing people with the help of my coaching programs that has helped over hundreds of people all over the world. So 
go to www.mytinnitus.club to claim your 14 days free trial. Join one of the frequent events that we have every single week and see how my science-based coaching program will help you to live your best life despite tinnitus. All right, then uh, welcome back to the Archering Tinnitus podcast. Um, today, I'm very excited to have another Tinnitus heavyweight on my podcast. Um, today, we are joined by um, Hajir Aj from the UK. He is a Tinnitus specialist for many, many, many years, and we're very excited to having him today on the show. Um, Hajir, just uh, please introduce yourself a little bit to our audience. Nice to have you. Well, thank you very much, Freda. Thank you for the nice... Uh, introduction. Uh, yeah, I uh, by background, I'm an audiologist. And um, so, um, and uh, um, I throughout my studies, I always were interested in areas that in audiology that needed further research. And, um, and tinnitus was uh, among the uh, key areas in the field of audiology, that there are so many unanswered questions uh, for it, whether it is about uh, what causes tinnitus or how to treat tinnitus or how to prevent tinnitus, as well as how to diagnose uh, tinnitus and objectively verify that somebody has tinnitus. So there's so many uh, questions that one can do research. And that was very inspiring for me to actually, when I get to this field, to be able to study something uh, that is not fully understood, you know, something that I can add uh, to the uh, accumulative knowledge uh, of uh, research field and uh, clinicians. And that was how I became interested uh, in uh, working with patients who have tinnitus as well as doing research and teaching to other clinicians about the methods that have developed for helping uh, patients with tinnitus. Along the way, there were other conditions which were quite uh, co coexisted a lot of time with, mm. with tinnitus, such mm. as uh, various forms of uh, sound intolerance disorders, uh, mainly uh, hyperacusis, and, uh, and also other forms of sound intolerance disorders like general noise sensitivity, uh, as well as misophonia. And uh, so these were all the, the bulk of conditions that through this path of tinnitus, I got to understand them as well and, uh, and work on them. Uh, that's fantastic. I always um, try to say to everyone who comes onto the podcast and to thank them because there are, um, I mean, there is a little bit of a misconception about how many people are really working on this. And I certainly believe that it's a lot more than people um, are led to believe. They're always led to believe that 30% uh, of the population are left to deal with this alone. But there are so many practitioners such as yourself who devote their life and professional career to really helping and supporting people. So from the whole community, because I'm also part of this tinnitus community. Um, I want to thank you for all the work that you've been doing. And um, it's very, very important that uh, people like you do that. So thank you for that. <laughs> I think it's thank important you. Thank to you say that much. as well. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> um, I just want to, I just want to ask you, um, was there any special interest in tinnitus? Did you have a personal relationship with tinnitus or, or when was the first time you heard about it? Or what is your, how did your personal uh, relationship with tinnitus develop? Out of I did that. So I started uh, become interested in tinnitus 
uh, way back when I was doing my bachelor's degree in audiology. And I did not have the experience of tinnitus myself or any of my uh, family members at that point in time. And uh, but I was very keen in um, doing um, reviewing of various articles and writing a little review uh, for our university uh, student magazine. And I happened to come across a, a study about uh, history of tinnitus. And I realized that Beethoven had tinnitus and severe hearing loss, uh, even when he was uh, doing uh, some of his best, uh, writing some of his best music. And, uh, and that was, I became very interested uh, in tinnitus and, uh, and carried on uh, studying about it and read other papers and, uh, and then engaged in research. Uh, my, myself I have experienced it uh, myself at various points uh, in my life and I have uh, very close relatives uh, who have tinnitus and and of course I see thousands of people with tinnitus uh, um, so every day so um, so is and I can uh, I do my best to understand their experience yeah. uh, as much as possible and yeah. to see the problem from their eyes yeah and uh, so this way I got closer and closer um, to this phenomenon if you like yeah 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 very very important I think one of the things that when we can offer a helping hand and first of all, understanding, right? Understanding what people are currently going through, um, but also showing them that it's not so isolated, but it's that a lot of other people also experience it very similarly. I mean, you know, uh, I had uh, Dr. Craig Casper. He's also a fantastic audiologist from New York on the podcast. And he said something very striking to me. He said, uh, when you have one uh, patient with tinnitus, then you have one patient with tinnitus, right? Because everyone develops it a little bit differently. Everyone has a little bit of a different form with their tinnitus. Everyone has a little bit of a different belief system and how their tinnitus manifests in their everyday life and uh, the areas that are influenced and, and how they react to it. So everyone is a teeny tiny bit different, but that also makes it so interesting to work in this field, right? So um, I think it's incredibly rewarding and interesting to also uh, be working with so many diverse people, but to always have the common denominator of being able to show people that they're a not isolated and b that there are very, very good strategies, um, uh, in, in helping people with the, so what is your relationship to the, um, to the normal ENT statement? Uh, there's not so much we can do, um, please go home and, uh, and don't, don't stress out too much about it. Is that something that you've heard quite a lot in your career, uh, seeing patients or, or what's your relationship to that statement? Yeah, I have had that a, a lot. They, they, they are right. <laughs> ENT doctors hardly can do uh, anything uh, to tinnitus. And um, even sometimes that uh, tinnitus is as the result of some obvious uh, mechanical malformations within the ear or is related to the arteries uh, close yeah, to the yeah. ear uh, or muscles. Uh, it is usually a very high risk to actually go in and try to stop this noise. And uh, and for for obvious reasons, they hesitate um, to do this unless it is a dangerous uh, thing. That whether it was tinnitus or not, they had to go in and uh, get rid of that uh, problem. So so as far as the ENT is concerned, usually um, unless there is an infection in the ear that they can treat or earwax that they can remove, they can't see anything really wrong. Um, in the 
physical appearance of the year, then there is really little that they can do. And the fact that they say don't stress about it is true as well. <laughs> Only if people could do that. And uh, some people can. Some people, when they see their uh, their GP uh, or their ENT doctor and they check their ears and they say, okay, there's really nothing wrong. There may be a tiny hearing loss that you have. Your tinnitus is not related to any sinister uh, cause. So you don't really have to worry about it. This reassurance that they give to them and they hear it from uh, a medical profession at that level uh, can do the trick for many, many people. And um, so I do think that they do a huge service to a a majority of the people who have tinnitus because majority of people who have tinnitus, they may not be that much bothered by it. And there's a minority of people who have tinnitus who become significantly affected uh, by their tinnitus. But this minority is a big number if you you look at it. And um, so for this particular uh, people who have ex- who are experiencing distressing tinnitus, and they are this impacting on their concentration, on their sleep, on their relaxation, recreational activity, relationship, so on and so forth. For these people, uh, advising them to you know not to stress about it um, is uh, is a good advice, but they can't really do it, yeah. and uh, so they need more. It's like telling a depressed person not to be depressed, right? And, you know, it's, it's not a little bad bit, it's a li- exactly it's the same like saying to someone you're overweight uh, you need to lose weight but not telling them hey okay so this implies you need to uh, start walking more steps you need to eat healthier and so it's just the doctor says you're overweight and you need to do something about it but it's actually not the doctor's job to tell the person how to exercise and what to eat um it's just you know the diagnosis is there but then it's the person's own sort of way to dealing with this and which is i i guess difficult and also frustration frustrating for doctors sometimes right if there's not an immediate and quick fix they can offer to the patient because you know that's what doctors and most doctors are taught in medical school right we have a condition we have a mechanism for solution and most of the time we pull out a piece of paper give a prescription and then the person uh, uh, gets the help that they want to get and tinnitus is much more complicated and they would potentially also need a lot more time in order to explain how they could go about um, solving this problem or getting further help and and uh, so I'm just uh, I'm just curious if, if someone comes into your office and and and, and starts working with you a patient what what are you usually what 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 do those steps usually look like for you in your in your um, in your process do you mean in my in my in my own clinics? Yes, yes. Yeah. So um, we we uh, again we receive the referrals uh, from uh, ENT surgeons or psychiatrists uh, or neurologists to uh, see these patients, and they identify that this patient is really distressed. So when I no. tell them just not to be worried about that, that doesn't do the trick. So then they have to refer that to a more specialist service, which basically can help these patients uh, to cope better with with their tinnitus. So patients who arrive in our clinic, most of them have already undergone uh, medical investigations, whether they have anything um, that is an identifiable cause for the tinnitus or an idiopathic tinnitus, which there is no obvious cause for it. Uh, but still, when the tinnitus bothers them uh, to a certain level, they get referred to us. So our job is mainly to, uh, the, it starts with trying to understand uh, 
whether the distress that this person uh, is experiencing is related to their tinnitus or is it related to something else? Because somebody may may present with lots of distress and they come to a clinic, they are very anxious, they also have tinnitus. But the source of the distress and anxiety may not be tinnitus, maybe another hearing problem, maybe is their hearing loss. They think there is tinnitus that doesn't let them hear better, for example. Or maybe it is a balance problem that yeah. uh, they don't feel uh, confident that they can walk or go outside or something else. Or the source of the distress may be an underlying psychiatric uh, condition or a social problem uh, or family issue. So um, this is the main task that we have it in hand to see if the distress that the patient is experiencing is that direct result of their tinnitus or is because of something else. If it is as the direct result of the tinnitus, then a specialized cognitive behavior therapy approach uh, is going to help them to basically break that vicious cycle uh, that is causing the distress uh, from their tinnitus. But if the distress is linked to other things, they need other forms of therapy, which we usually make an onward referral uh, to other colleagues who can look at whatever problem that they have. If it is a physical problem that can be sorted, obviously that takes the priority. If they need a hearing aid, for example, if they need a balance, rehabilitation, um, or if it is a general anxiety problem or a panic disorder or a form of obsessive compulsive disorder uh, or even psychosis, then a psychiatrist or a psychologist will be better uh, placed to help this patient. So although the patient has tinnitus, but the tinnitus is not cause of the distress, it's something else. So that person can help them more. But when tinnitus is the source of the distress, then a CBT approach, which focuses on understanding the mechanism uh, that distress is produced and helping the patient to um, disrupt that mechanism is basically what we uh, try to, to help with. Yeah. 100%. And I love that so much. Um, putting the foot in the door of tinnitus distress and sort of like getting the person to realize that vicious habitual cycle that just repeats over and over again, produces the same thoughts, produces the same emotions, and therefore chemical reactions in the body that drain us of the energy and send that signal to our brain that we're really de dealing with a very threatening and difficult problem here and just repeats over and over again. So um, without getting too much into that, uh, could you share a little bit about what that CBT framework looks like to, for the patients? Um, I've talked in the, on this podcast a lot about uh, sort of using CBT, sort of I use my sort of own removed uh, uh, tools of CBT, and I think everyone uh, uses them a little bit um, uh, different. So could, could you share with us um, how that works for you just as a, as a general uh, overview of uh, uh, what the person, the people might benefit from when they come to see you at your clinic. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so there is a distinction between a CBT approach and approaches similar to CBT, like acceptance and commitment therapy, sure. mindfulness, uh, that basically these are the approaches that uh, are trying to help the person to face up with the challenge and, and deal with it. And uh, But there are different approaches which are available uh, as well, like sound therapy, um, which are often prescribed by audiologists 
who help patients with, with tinnitus. But that approach is a bit different because it's in the context of CBT, that becomes an avoidance behavior. And uh, so the person, although they kind of get distracted by from their tinnitus by listening to a different noise, yeah. and it can provide a short-term relief, yeah. but uh, it doesn't let them to learn how to yeah. basically cope with their tinnitus, yeah. how to deal with tinnitus, and the anxiety that I cannot deal with this, this impacts on me, uh, maintains. And um, so, um, so for some people, it can be beneficial that short-term relief and giving them the opportunity to put themselves together and just uh, move away from this problem. Uh, but if the person is really affected by their tinnitus, uh, usually um, those kind of approaches uh, doesn't really do the trick for the person. We'll be back in the episode in just a short moment. I just wanted to share with you something that Dawn, uh, one of our Tinnitus Club members, talked about recently. She shares uh, her insights into tinnitus habituation and what the community has been doing for her. And of course, we'd be super honored to welcome you into our community as well. But let's give uh, Dawn the word. I think um, I've had it for about the same as you, 15, 16 years, and I have habituated to it three times in the past. Uh, but this last time, um, I was just floored with it. I just didn't know how to deal with it. And uh, then I found this place and it's taught me n no end. Um, how I was dealing with it was wrong. You know, it's taught me not to react to it. Um, and like you said, it's nice knowing, because I think it's a very isolated disease. Um because you're the only one that can hear it, your family can't. So you're you you're only you're the only one that knows what you're going through. Uh, but when you come to somewhere like this, it just it it's it makes it easier because you know that you're not on your own. And it's just probably been the best thing. I've been the best place now in this last two years than I I have been for like I say in the last two years. I'm I'm just it's amazing what it's done for me. So if you're experiencing something that's similar to what Dawn is going through, then you know absolutely where to go and where to look and where to turn to. Um, we'd be super excited to welcome you in our MyTinnitus.club community. So if you head over to www.MyTinnitus.club, you can sign up for your 14 days free trial, um, join one of our members events, introduce yourself to our other members. We are currently getting a buddy system going so that people who are already way on their path to habituation can support and help other people who are newer in the community so if this is something that you want to uh, get into and you want to live your best life despite tinnitus then sign up for your free trial at www.mytinnitus.club but let's get back into the episode so in CBT I, I like, just just a quick thing in between I love that so much that you said that because um, I, I get this question often what I think about sound therapy and and um, uh, removing yourself from the situation of experiencing tinnitus. And I say short-term relief, if you need it for sleep at the start, when you start dealing with tinnitus, perfectly fine to curb that massive spike in anxiety. But in the long run, when you want to put your brain into the position of not having that constant negative reaction towards your tinnitus, then sound therapy can actually detri be detrimental to the process. So it's great to have someone uh, who has a similar opinion to this. So thank you. Sorry for interrupting. No, that's fine. Definitely. I think it does delay the process of uh, habituation, if you like. 
And yeah. although in, in theory, there, there are some suggestions that it actually facilitate habituation, I think it, it delays it because uh, you need to get to this point that you are not classifying the tinnitus signal as a threat. And you have to work on the reasons that you are classifying the tinnitus signal as a threat. And, uh, and to, to do that, you must be exposed to this problem. And, uh, and this is the case, not only for tinnitus, for a lot of different problems. Uh, you know, avoiding the actual problem is only a short-term benefit. If you have back pain, uh, you know, the natural thing is to avoid the pain, try to rest. But you go to physiotherapy and they'll tell you, no, you've got to move, you've got to do these exercises, but it hurts. That's fine. You have to go through the pain. When you do the exercises, you're enhancing your muscles and then gradually the pain reduces because you enhanced your back muscles. Or if somebody has um, obsessive compulsive disorder and um, so, yeah, it helps them to keep wash their hand a million times every time that they do it. Obviously, it helps them. If it didn't help them, then they wouldn't be doing it. And uh, but then this become a ritualistic behavior, same as avoidance behavior. Ritualistic behaviors also maintain the problem. So they need to expose themselves to the things that they are afraid of, like the dirt or the uh, unhygienic things and, uh, and, and stop their ritualistic and avoidance behavior. Sometimes yeah. sound yeah. therapy and using this app and that that um, even is doesn't help them to avoid their tinnitus, but it becomes a ritual. And uh, and it is not only sound therapy that can become a ritual. Sometimes people uh, look for information as a ritual. Information seeking becomes their ritual. And uh, somehow it helps them because it gives them the confidence that I'm doing something here. Yeah. I'm being proactive. False confidence. Yeah. And, uh, and that somehow helps them to, uh, as yeah. a short-term thing. But in the long term, and uh, not only for tinnitus, with any sort of condition that you have to learn to cope with this, avoidance behaviors and ritualistic behaviors may backfire and uh, doesn't uh, help the person to move forward going back to the cbt and which is consistent with this conversation that we had is the first task in the cbt is to create um, um, a list of the avoidance behaviors and ritualistic behaviors that this person is doing and then plan how to stop or reduce these during the therapy we usually try to find out uh, the avoidance behaviors or rituals that they're doing, the reasons that they that they are doing it, what is the fear behind it, and how difficult it is for them to start that particular uh, behavior and rate them, and then start from uh, doing different behavioral experiments in order to basically get rid of those behaviors, starting from the behaviors that they rated as easier to stop, uh, reaching to the behaviors that they were most difficult. Uh, to stop for them. And this is the behavioral element of cognitive behavioral therapy. And the cognitive component of it is to help them to understand uh, what are the thought process that goes through their mind when they're experiencing their tinnitus. And uh, they learn various the skills to help them to identify their uh, the thoughts um, which are uh, very much directly linked to their uh, distress of the tinnitus. And these thoughts are 
according to cognitive behavioral theory, there are um, various different forms of thoughts. One is uh, automatic thoughts. And it is believed that automatic thoughts are the ones which are directly linked to our emotions. Obviously, underneath the automatic thoughts, you have the uh, rules of life or intermediate thoughts, and then the core belief that are often created in childhood. So, and so the person during the process of CBT will get an understanding of how to identify the, and their automatic thoughts, their rules of life, and their core beliefs, and learn the skills in order to modify them. In terms of the automatic thoughts, the intense uh, emphasis of the CBT protocol is often on automatic thoughts for, for problems such as tinnitus. For problems such as a personality disorder, then maybe the intense focus will be on the core beliefs of the person, and there is a fundamental uh, change that yeah. needs to be happening. That, but for yeah. tinnitus, uh, uh, which in the bulk of psychological problems is not one of the deepest part of the the, the, the psychological problems, is mainly a distress that is caused by a health condition effectively. The person is not suffering from hallucinations or yeah. delusional thinking and things yeah, like that. Yeah. So they yeah. are simply distressed by this noise that hearing. And anybody would be if they were hearing something like this uh, in their ears. So the emphasis is on the automatic thoughts. So the patient needs to understand what is an automatic thought and how to capture that. And I often uh, explain for them in this way that when, uh, for example, if I am in this podcast and talking um, to you, my main cognitive uh, platform, if you like, is focusing on uh, formulating what to say and to try to make sense and communicate with you. But in the back of my mind, a less conscious part of my mind, maybe some thoughts going and come back, uh, which are kind of out of my control these are not the thoughts that i want to think about the thoughts that i want to think about is how to speak with you and how to explain this problem but those thoughts goes in the back of my mind and i hardly notice them for example what if i say something wrong what if uh, there is a patient with tinnitus who uh, feel distressed based on the things that i'm explaining here what if uh, there is a, a professional who uh, the things that I say may not be uh, so nice to them. And so these thoughts, I hardly notice them, but I may feel the effect of them on me. For example, during this conversation, I may feel a bit anxious and it impacts on my feelings um, that I have, or it, it may impact on my behavior. Right. I may... Uh, over-explain things or try to over-justify things or try to skip some of the uh, concepts. So what I notice is the emotional and behavioral effect of the automatic thoughts as opposed to the automatic thoughts themselves. And mm. this is the natural way. But in CBT, because the understanding is that these automatic thoughts has a direct role and we need to identify and modify them, the patient needs to develop the skills to identify these automatic thoughts, which are usually very hard to. And, uh, and that is why it takes time. So it is not a skill that come to us naturally. And yeah. so it's an unnatural skills that they need yeah. to learn. And, but, you know, 
there are so many skills that are unnatural. Playing the piano is not natural or swimming is not natural. You have to learn the theory, take the lessons, practice, and then you can do it. Yeah. It's, it's like really, who, who, who drove a stick shift car 200 years ago, right? No one drove a stick shift car 200 years ago. And it's become an absolutely natural skill that most of the people know how to do. And, and even quite automatically, right? Because if you weren't able to do the steering at the same time, shift gears, put clutch, brake, and accelerator, then you would have probably already killed dozens of people if you <laughs> didn't know sort of like at least partly subconsciously how you have to handle all these tasks at the same time, right? And there you have the perfect explanation for what you just uh, told us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And that is why it takes time. So it's not yeah. a quick, quick solution. People need to learn this skill that they do not naturally have it. And um, so, and it takes time, but it is something, the skills that they when they learn it, then they can use it in other aspects of the life, exactly the same as uh, acceptance and commitment therapy. So these are the skills when they learn to manage their tinnitus, they can use it in other aspects of their uh, life as well. Yeah. I think a lot of the concepts that you shared are um, very, very much in line with what we uh, would also try to achieve with people inside our community or the coaching um, and I think one of the most important parts is what I see. I don't, I would be nice to get your opinion on this, but I th think that many of these automatic thoughts uh, are based on the worst moments someone suffered from tinnitus from, right? Especially at the start when someone has sleeping trouble and they have a bout of insomnia and then all that anxiety that builds up in the body, right? So these automatic thoughts are in turn somewhere in the back, back of the brain linked to these very very negative emotions and they keep coming back and they need they, they want the attention very strongly so uh, like just an example i would try to use the uh instagram uh instagram or twitter uh, methodology i would tell people to sort of like gain a little bit of space or to acknowledge the existence of these automatic thoughts by for example hashtagging them say hashtag in your case if you say or in my case hashtag um Hajir might think uh, he's a young guy from Berlin who, how can he know something about tinnitus in these few years that he's been working with it? I've been working about it 30 years, right? So that might be one automatic thought I have just to, you know, just to say it. And then, but it's my response to that thought that governs whether I'm going to act on it or whether I'm just going to acknowledge the existence of that thought and just, you know, focus on what I'm doing here is having a good time and creating good content for people with tinnitus. So I would be interested if you think that is something that would be valuable for people to act like, or if, if it's something that you also experience that people always go back to sort of the, the worst moments they have in experiencing tinnitus or, or what is your, your, your idea on this? Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. I, I, I do think that this uh, automatic thoughts, they, they, um, they, there is some logic in them so is based based on their uh past experience or lots of different uh, like for example if you are going to go uh, get into a crowded uh, bus this is an example that albert ellis the founder uh, of uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. emotion and rational therapy and yeah. uh, and also cognitive therapy partly uh, came up with is the crowded bus so you yeah. go to this crowded bus you being poked uh, in the back by someone's umbrella depending on what you think you'll have a different reaction like for mm. example you'll have a reaction to uh, you you can get anxious or get afraid if you think somebody doing this deliberately if you think this is a poor blind guy who is struggling uh, to stand up you'll have sympathy so but why would you have 
either of these thoughts. So lots of different factors can impact on this. For example, if you're walking to the bus and you see actually a disabled person, this can maybe uh, encourage that thought. Or if you getting into the bus and see some young people fooling around with each other, and then that can encourage the other one that they may be doing this to, uh, to annoy you and have a laugh. And your past yeah. experiences, uh, your personality, all of these things hand in hand will basically led to development of that particular automatic thought. And usually it's out of your hand, the, whether you, which automatic thought you produce. Now, as you said, it is, but it is within your hands how to respond to it. And uh, that is where the interventions basically come into practice. Yeah. Um, I have, I have, this is, this is awesome. I have my own example. I always use the, um, someone cutting you off in traffic. We already talked about the car, but I, I say to the people I work with, um, imagine you were sitting in your car and, uh, someone cuts you off, uh, and they're speeding and, um, you have two ways to respond, right? The one way is to go like, oh, maybe they're speeding to hospital because one of their loved ones or their mother or, or father is dying and they cut me off and they are having a terrible day. Um, and you might feel sorry for them and say like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for my parents and my family. I love them so much. Or you might drive after that person, forced to stop them, open the window and punch them in the face and then get accused of uh, harassment and maybe even spend some time in jail or getting a he hefty fine. So, you know, in the end, it's like how you relate to your what you make out of the story um, of the thoughts that start coming up when these like sort of like seemingly automatic reactions, right? Like we stand at that intersection, they cut us off. And it's like we have no, sometimes at first, maybe when we don't really know this much or not know much about our own automatic thoughts or how we behave as a person, then we become very impulsive. And then we very quickly like, you know, determine in going after that person and punching them in the face and landing in jail or saying, oh my God, I love my family so much. They're so great. And what if this person's parent is just dying or something like that or something terrible happened to them? It sort of like changes the whole chemistry in our body as well, right? One is compassion and being grateful. And the other one is pure rage and eventually maybe even committing a crime, right? So it's it's fascinating to me. It's amazing. Exactly, I, I agree. And, uh, and this is the beauty of the uh, psychology of this and how you can use the power of your mind to overcome a physical problem which the science of today does not have any particular solution uh, for that. So this is something that happens to you. And um, so it's a pain. And as they say, is the, the pain uh, is not uh, your choice, but suffering is the choice. Yep. And that you you may you do have the pain, which is that tinnitus, yep. but you can choose to whether suffer from it yep. uh, or not. Yeah, it's like it's like if you try to say like I want to live a life free of pain, which is impossible for anyone. So then you choose not to live life at all, and it applies in so many other areas, and we behave like that in so many other areas. But uh, for tinnitus, it's uh, uh, very, very different. So I, I always say to people, I mean, of course, for many people who might be early on in their tinnitus journey listening to this, this might be incredibly hard and painful to realize, but it's not the sound that is driving how you feel and relate to it. It's your 
own individual behaviors around your tinnitus that cause you all the distress. So it's not the sound in and of itself that is causing all of this distress, but of course, the way you relate to it. So therefore, it's also incredibly difficult, right, for someone to understand the concept that such a incredibly difficult condition where it's about the transitioning of a physiological signal, right? So sound pressure in the ear and from the eardrum, the cochlea being uh, translated into an electrical signal decoded by your auditory cortex, put into an electrical signal in your brain and then presented as sound in the same way that whatever I see is light coming in through my eyes and then being interpreted by my brain. So anyone saying like, okay, we need a cure for this and this should be cured easily. Why don't we, why can't we cure this yet? Is because it's incredibly complex and incredibly difficult. So you cut on it a little bit already. What is, um, if I can ask you, you tell me whether you want to ask the question, but what is your thoughts about, um, about all these different promising solutions out there and about this incredibly difficult phenomenon of tinnitus of, yeah, I mean, we, we, you and me, we, we might have uh, uh, our own approaches, and you have your approach, and 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 CBT has been incredibly helpful for people with tinnitus. But what is your thought about all these different other um, tools and strategies and things that are coming out onto the market or a potential cure in the future? What is what is what is your expert? Yes. Yeah, is uh, a lot of the is um, I hear sometimes people. Uh, do not want to do a therapy and object therapies like CBT. They say, oh, if we do this, then uh, we are delaying the science to find a cure for tinnitus because we learn how to cope with it. And I don't really uh, uh, agree with that because, you know, the science goes ahead, whether you suffer from tinnitus or not, you, know, you still need to lead your normal life. And you can, you know, use the therapy, lead your normal life and then help for the science as well. You know, so you don't have to go crazy for the science to uh, be able to, you know, move forward and find a cure for tinnitus. For sure. And uh, and the science is moving forward, but it is very slow because, as you said, it is a very complex uh, phenomenon. And uh, all of those things that you mentioned about the sound waves going into the eardrum, vibrating it, effect on the cochlea, and the cochlea sending the electrical signals into the nerve and the nerve goes up to the brain and the brain says yes there is a noise there none of those things are happening for tinnitus except from the final thing that brain says yes there is a noise there so we don't really know on what basis the brain thinks that there is a noise there when there is no signal going up from the ear to actually uh, trigger that but for some reasons the brain is thinking that there is a noise there but there is no noise there so i often tell to my patients that tinnitus is a noise that you perceive but it doesn't exist so you are hearing a noise which doesn't exist and sometimes people don't like to say oh you are downgrading tinnitus you are saying it doesn't exist but uh one patient once said to me that he found this very encouraging he said uh, well, I'm not going to let this noise, which even doesn't exist, to ruin my life, <laughs> and, uh, which I thought it was a, a positive uh, thing. But in the noise itself, there is no noise, the perception of a noise, but there is no real noise in majority of people. Yeah, some people that they have objective tinnitus, less than a percent of the tinnitus population, there may be a real source of noise 
and there were majority of people with tinnitus, there is no real sound there, it's just a perception of a sound, but there is no sound, and that's the yeah. consistent with the definition. There are a lot of treatments, uh, majority of them are very strange and hardly scientific, like laser or ear candle or um, a massage of some sort. And um, so these are, or some pills, uh, anything that you that exists, uh, you name it. They have, they have tried it for tinnitus, from epilepsy medication to uh, antidepressants uh, to so many different things has been tried for tinnitus. None of them actually have shown that they actually do anything to the tinnitus. There are some recent uh, interventions. Um, they are not recent, they have been recently used for tinnitus, like uh, electrical stimulation uh, combined with noise or without noise, uh, or the noise itself without electrical stimulations. Uh, these sort of interventions has been used for other uh, psychiatric illness, uh, even deep brain electrical stimulations has been used for some forms of depression, and the psychiatry community is moving passed away from this type of interventions, but because they have, have this novelty in the field of tinnitus, some people uh, buy into this, it's mainly from a uh, perspective of research to actually find out whether this impact on tinnitus, but none of them actually have shown to have any reliable impact on the, on the tinnitus. And um, so there's really no physical intervention that I would actually uh, recommend uh, for tinnitus at this stage. But it doesn't mean that the research is not going on. The research is going on, even on various different uh, equipment, but you know, it has to get to a place that they can find, okay, I use this, you and your tinnitus automatically reduces by X uh, decibel, if you like. Uh, and which is Which is difficult, again, to measure in decibel, right? If we measure something that only exists very subjectively so we can maybe um uh, uh measure perceived severity but it's very difficult to to this is what i understood right it's very difficult to 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 measure subjective decibel levels right you could ma maximally you can say maybe to a person okay this is what a uh, five level five decibel between a sound that i'm playing to you sound like so you can tell us is this what you experience in reduction but um yeah i think everything makes perfect sense i think this is very very helpful also for the people out there i think one of the first things in order not to be so impatient and to say you should not sacrifice your current life for some future potential cure and not obsess and, and be upset about the scientific community because i mean i've had uh, many of those people from the scientific community on my podcast already and there are all these explanations for why it is so incredibly difficult and you might, must also see when you deal with something that is so incredibly difficult to to create and if there's has been so much trial and error and nothing has shown to bring lasting results yet then you need to make it safe and effective at the same time right you don't want to uh, get rid of your tinnitus a benign body sensation at an 80 percent chance of developing brain tumor within six months afterwards right i i'm i'm sure there are people out there who would take the risk but i certainly wouldn't and i have i mean i'm deaf on one ear i have very loud tinnitus when my hearing aids not not in but i'm perfectly fine i prefer to live my life like this rather than subjecting myself to a 80 percent chance of getting a brain tumor right of course i would like to get better hearing because my hearing is shite to be honest but you know that's that that's the only thing like i luckily have my hearing aid and 
you know, the rest we'll, we'll see in the future. If, if, if hopefully something comes up for hearing loss and maybe that also will help tinnitus, but it's um, something that we have to be mindful of and we have to make use of all the fantastic approaches that we have. And I believe that people who don't really understand, you know, maybe you have this phenomenon as well. Sometimes I have a call, a first coaching call with a person and they're just not ready to try this approach because it feels like losing when they start to say to accept that I'm going into uh, behavioral strategies of changing the way I relate to it. Uh, instead of trying to get rid of it, I'm not yet ready because I'm trying to full force continue to pursue. And then three, four, five, six months later, they come back and say, oh, I'm very exhausted. Can we please maybe try and start? And maybe then they are at a different place, right? So people sometimes just need to be at a place where they can say, well, if I can change my reaction and lay down my guns rather than going to war and spending 90% of my energy fighting tinnitus every day, then finally I'm at a place where I can you don't know, sort of learn these kind of tools and strategies. Exactly. It's, a, it's sort of an instinctive reaction that we have when something happens, we want to get rid of it. Yeah. And But our instinct do not always tell us the best course of uh, yeah. action. And uh, and then, you know, I always tell people, you know, there are various options uh, for tinnitus. If you feel that you want just to be distracted from it, certainly you can use various sound therapy methods. If you want to to do more intensive uh, experimental things, just do it, you know. So it's, it's up to you what you want to do. What I offer and I recommend is this method of cognitive behavior therapy that it does this and its aim is this. And uh, so if you want this, you know, we are happy to to help you. If you want other things, just go and do the things that you like to do. You know, it's a free country. And uh, and then in my uh, uh, so C- one good thing about CBT is that a lot of self help things can can help. And uh, this is a book that we written not long ago. It was published in November last year and nice. earlier this year in, in in the US. Living well with tinnitus, and it gives people a, an outline for uh, cognitive behavior therapy and how it can be used. Mm-hmm uh for uh for um managing their their tinnitus and for um professionals who are interested to to learn more about this how to help their patients we're doing a tour of international tinnitus workshops starting in norway and continuing to middle east and uh, south america and back to london and uh, information about these tinnitus workshops uh, are on my website, uh, which is hashirtinnitusclinic.com and uh, for for people who are interested. That is fantastic. And I'm, I'll make sure to um, uh, include that in the uh, description to the episode as well. So um, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, then make sure to check out the description because Hajir uh, uh, has um, shared all of these resources with us. So um, the book is called Living Well with Tinnitus, right? So That's right, yes. Living Well with Tinnitus. Okay, people can find Living Well with Tinnitus. And we will also share the resources for the conference, um, uh, uh, in all these different reg- regions. Um, um, Hajir, it's been um, absolutely a very, very big pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Um, one of my final questions that I li- like to ask my interview guests is that um, if there was anything with the world that you would want to share, maybe on a massive billboard on Times Square or in the middle of uh, London, what would you like to share with the world or the people who deal with tinnitus right now? Is there something that uh, 
that comes to your mind that you that you would like to share with the audience right now? Oh, that's difficult. So one <laughs> one liner for uh, for the tinnitus uh, patients. And, yeah, pretty much um, anything that you that you think would be um, would be worth sharing with the people who are dealing yeah. with tinnitus, or maybe also you know sometimes I get feedback that people who um, who have someone in the family who's going through a difficult period with that tinnitus. So, you know, the listenership is, it's, it's amazing. It's expanding. People writing me saying like, oh yeah, my, my grandpa who died 10 years ago, he had tinnitus and now suddenly I found this podcast, you know? So I'm like, wow, that's, that's crazy. So literally uh, anyone can, can benefit from this. And it's, it's, yeah, it's an inspiration and it's very nice to have you. So I wanted to ask you whether you have one thing, one line, one sentence, something out of your professional or personal life that you want to share with the people. Yes, uh, I think that's something that I'd like to convey to people is that the solution is within you. And uh, and that's where you really, really need to uh, look for it. I love it. And, uh, and this is consistent with our CBT or mindfulness or uh, ACT therapies as well. So people, you know, people have the experience of living and uh, they know where their weaknesses are, where their strengths are, uh, how much pain they endure throughout their life, how they coped with the previous problems. So there are a lot of things within them that they can uh, find. Even the concepts of CBT, ACT, mindfulness, these are not extraordinary rocket science. If you like. These are no. the things that people use a lot of them unconsciously in their day-to-day -day life. So I would say the solution is within you my one-liner <laughs> i i think it's fantastic and if people had more trust in that then it would be easier to deal with many things um but yeah sometimes it's difficult to get lost in all not only automatic thoughts as you so um um as you so well described it today um but into all the different things that require our attention in our busy modern lives um Hajid, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we, of course, uh, want to thank you again for all the time that you voted to this episode today. We would love to have you back on the show in future. Maybe you can talk about your conference again, or um, uh, you can even share a little bit about your book. And um, yeah, for everyone who's listening to this, thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Thank you, uh, Hajid, for tuning in today and being with us today. We are very, very grateful for your time. Thank you, Frida, and thank you for the uh, listeners for, for their time. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode of the Outering Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida, and I'm your host, and I've been creating podcast episodes uh, on tinnitus and tinnitus habituation for a couple of years. So if you want to help me and your fellow tinnitus members out there or your fellow tinnitus experiencers out there, whatever you would say, then um, yeah, it would be extremely helpful for me if you uh, do like this podcast that you give us a positive review, um, leave us five stars if you do enjoy the podcast because it helps uh, everyone else with tinnitus to make this podcast a little bit more discoverable. Um, and to really get a sense of how we can collectively as a society with everyone together 
um, doctors, audiologists, ENTs, but also family members, tackle tinnitus in a more holistic way and in a way that uh, leads to more hope for people feeling less isolated and really knowing how to tackle this properly. Um, so yeah, it would be something that you can do for me uh, and something that you can do for yourself is click on one of the links in the description to this episode and you can check out um, my free guide to tinnitus or my 100 hacks to tinnitus, which is based on my uh, tinnitus book, which you can get at uh, tinnitusminusbook.com. And of course, and I've already uh, mentioned this in the ads to uh, uh, the podcast, the short ads that we have, uh, every one of you is more than welcome to join us in our online tinnitus community for a short time. We're giving away the book for free. If you uh, sign up for mytinnitus.club, if you sign up for mytinnitus.club, then you get my tinnitus book, Accepting the Unacceptable, an eight weeks journey towards tinnitus habituation for free. For free sounds good, right? All right. Um, with this, I'm releasing you guys into the weekend. I hope that everyone's having a fantastic weekend. Next week, we'll be back with another podcast episode on Friday. So keep an eye out for that. It's going to be very, very interesting. And we also have some news to share for January 2024. But uh, all of that is coming up in next week's episode. Um, I wish you all a fantastic weekend from my heart to yours, from Berlin and Germany to wherever you are tuning in from, wherever in the world you are, whatever form of tinnitus you're experiencing, we are with you and um, yeah we're supporting you and yeah have a great weekend and I'll hear you next week all right bye bye thank you very much for listening to the Outring Tinnitus podcast I am looking forward to also welcome you on my website at outringtinnitus.com or if you have any questions, please mail to frida at See you next time.